This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Hey, does anyone want to learn French with me? Because I've decided in 2024 that I want to learn French. And thankfully, I have Rosetta Stone. So you better hop on it so we can learn French together. Rosetta Stone has the amazing true accent feature, which is so helpful, especially in French. You get feedback on how well you're actually pronouncing words. Plus, they have 25 languages to choose from. So if you're not going to learn French with me, I'm sure you can find some other people who will learn a language with you. But I'm on the French team this year. Come on, folks, join me. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, and that's why we drink listeners, can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash drink. That's rosettastone.com slash drink. Hi. Hi. I, uh, welcome, welcome to, and that's why we drink a true crime paranormal podcast where you listen to us tell spooky stories while we tell you about ourselves all at the same time. Whoa, that was a fun little intro. Hmm. It'll never be said again, probably. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we've already forgotten it. Um, what, what's cracking, Christine, on hump day? What's going on? I hate, I, I'm I'm not, Eva, can we not record on Wednesdays anymore? I really hate that (laughs) so much. I, you're not answering the question is what's interesting. Yeah, because I hate the question. So, um, what are you doing on this fine Wednesday, gentle lady? That's better. (laughs) Um, I'm in my new little setup here. I'm trying to get things more, I don't know, seamless and good looking in this studio of mine so i have my little uh corner here um with my little geo shrine and my little uh oh let me turn him on my little crow with his little light bulb love a good crow yeah it's hard to see though on camera because i kind uh, of yeah yeah so she's still so cute yeah i love her um and then i got our books up or my books and then our book up there so okay. you can see uh, a little promo you know if i slant the screen and then i got my little ghost pillow from society six love Isn't society he cute? six yeah i Oops, there there he is i actually had to stop going on that website because i knew i would um it's hard. I can't, I can't stop buying things. I go on I about really once, love it. I go on about once a year, and then I'm like done. I'm like I can't do this anymore. Also, I have this, which my beautiful mother-in-law sent me these. I was like, oh, look at these cute pillows. And then I look closer. She made them. They have little UFO abductions That's on amazing. the pillow, and so if, I have that here. If you go first, I'll be taking that from your home. What? Just, <laughs> which is the highest compliment of something in someone's home? I would like to say it more often to people, but I, I don't like... know a lot of people where i can just blurt that out to say that yeah my i feel like my mother-in-law will be like oh i made her that you'll be like sorry i called dibs i'll be like well she's not here anymore so you made them for me unfortunately sorry (laughs) by default anyway how are you on this fine hump day thank you for you know adjusting the language to something i would feel more comfortable with Mm. um i think you need to say it the right way though we're always progressive on this show we try to be inclusive um but not that inclusive so i refuse to say it the way that you did 
Eh, that feels discriminatory in some way. I think it's maybe against Wednesdays, maybe against hump days. Um, um, I can't, like I can't stop it. What's 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 cracking today? Well, hmm. I'm going to a soccer game today. I don't <laughs> know how I feel about it. Oh, um, uh, that's funny. I am being promised uh, the souvenir shops. I was and... gonna say, so- soccer games are fun. I mean, but I I do more. I watch more sports than you, so I don't know how that translates to your enjoyment. Well, we have a friend. Uh, a mutual friend, you and I, that it has mm-hmm. is coming into town, or is already in town, actually. And her and her husband, who is another friend of ours, they are obsessed with the LAFC soccer team, and I mm-hmm. don't understand. But their excitement was wild enough to make yeah. me curious, and that's how I ended up here. So that's fun, you know. You're just gonna yeah. experience someone else's world for a day. Yeah, I like being in places where people are, like, so stoked their eyes are popping out of their head. And that's exactly <laughs> what I'm going to witness today. So um, I am excited and hoping it is at least fun enough that I am i don't realize, oh, I have several more hours here and I just have to, like, tough it out. So apprehensive <laughs> is the mood currently, but hoping that it's going to be a good time. So um, worst case scenario, they got a food cart. I'm going to be okay. Yeah, I've been to an LAFC game. Um, there's definitely plenty of food and snacks. And get, the thing about soccer games that I appreciate, because my brother and Blaze are going to a soccer game tonight as well. So oh my you'll, God. Are yeah, they in well, Los Angeles? Hang on. <laughs> no, there are more soccer teams. than I know you don't know much about soccer, but there are more than just the one. Um, but I understand that's a, a rookie mistake to assume there's only, only one. But um, no, they're going to one tonight as well. And the thing I do appreciate about soccer games is that the timer just goes like with a football game every fucking five seconds they stop and i love Mm. football games but it's like will it be four hours will it be five a soccer game is like we're here for 90 minutes we'll add a couple minutes you know stoppage time but then you're out of here it's like a two-hour ordeal max i like the quickness of a basketball game i feel like sometimes maybe they're not uh i'm sure i don't really know much about how long a basketball game is i well so they're 12 minute quarters they do stop um like so it does end up taking longer than 48 minutes for sure it was it's still like a two-hour experience minimum but it's it does feel fast compared to like like, soccer because you can watch the timer go down it doesn't matter what's happening you're like i know how many minutes are left and then you know what i mean it's like very controlled in that way Mm. well i do have crowd anxiety so that throws me for a loop but i'm gonna we're going to be brave. So that's the situation. You and are so brave. It's the only time I will I will be complimented on my bravery and not take it as an offense because it is something I have to be brave about. So it, thank you for the acknowledgement. Um, what else? What do you uh, next time I see you, we're going to be performing in Vegas. And then Vegas, by the time, baby! And by the time so this excited. comes out, we're going to be done with our tour. Oh, my God. I can't wait for Vegas. It's going to be a blast. Are you going to do anything specific there, Christine? I have to oh, bounce earlier than you. Hell yeah. 
oh my god i'm going to drag brunch i'm going to chippendales i'm going to our show i'm going to learn how to gamble (laughs) i've never gambled before um I'm going to a haunted tiki bar, the same one that you took me to on my bachelorette party trip. And they're going to give us a tour and they have a shrunken head from Zach Bagans in there. It's going to be a delight. I can't wait. And um, I I just can't wait. That's the end How of the long sentence. are you going to be there? Till sun. So if I get in Friday morning. I leave Sunday night. Nice. Yeah. So I know you you have to bop early because you uh, have to go to the Philippines. How kick ass is that? Yeah, I have to catch a different flight that happens to be like 20 hours long. (laughs) So I am currently I'm spending the day downloading every single thing I can think of on my phone. So, uh, yeah, other than that, we're, uh, you know, I'll only be in town for I think it feels like less than 24 hours. So, um, wow. I know it's going to be a quick one. I wish I could like enjoy it because there's also the Marvel Museum, which I always love going to and things like that. So, yeah, I, I feel like I'm making up for some Vegas trips that either never came to fruition because of COVID or I don't know. It's our first time performing there. So it, I'm trying to, you know, make the most of it. Um, I'm dragging my brother with me, which will be fun. Um but what was I going to ask you? Oh, oh, can I make a plug real quick? I know I don't try to yeah. usually do this, but I'd, I'd like to make a quick plug. So um, I don't know if, if all of you or any of you uh, listen to my other podcast, Beach to Sandy Water Too Wet, where we read one star's reviews, one star reviews in a dramatic fashion. But uh, we are going on tour this summer and, um, you know, we're trying to figure out how to sell tickets so if anyone's interested we're going to eight different cities uh after the and that's why drink tour has stopped so if you missed one of our shows you can come see me read one star reviews of your local you know hot spots in the area uh christine i don't i don't know how you do it i feel like such a piece of garbage next to you sometimes in the best way um in the best way is in like feel complimented by that because i i i have one podcast no other responsibilities in my life <laughs> and you have a baby and a whole other podcast and you t- did this whole tour and now you're gonna go back on tour oh, listen it's in, it's and then we're probably gonna go back on tour i mean yeah, we are it, gonna go back on tour eventually but i don't know how close it's gonna be to your it's, shows it's it's sheer idiocy some might say i really do I you get... do you like do you just like being um like a little like a tinge overwhelmed at all moments because that seems to be your vibe you do it amazingly but i think i just don't have good boundaries and you know so it's unhealthy (laughs) okay oh absolutely unhealthy i no, i'm really excited for the beach to sandy tour because it's like just little pockets of two at a time Mm, and a lot of them are driving distance and blaze and leona can come so i'll feel less bad about leaving them behind um I, i i so it'll be a fun because we haven't performed outside of Ohio and Chicago yet. So it'll be like a fun experimental summer tour to see how it goes. But yeah, I'm just, um, I thought you did it on purpose. Like you like the go, go, go of it all. No, I like to be at home and do nothing and do a puzzle. I've been trying to do a puzzle and it's like so hard to do a puzzle when you have a baby and you're trying to like do a tour and you have to record. I would think a puzzle is something you can't even like you're not allowed to do secretly with a baby who's like, no, I don't I don't tell many people I'm doing it because I feel like, oh, they're going to be like, don't you have shit to do? And I'm like, yes. Well, my thought was like, I feel like the second I have a baby, it's kind of that like 
trope which can be very untrue of like oh you lose a lot of freedoms but i feel like i would definitely lose the freedom to have like a puzzle with literally a thousand tiny swallowable pieces available out on a table oh, do you have to yeah, like well. do you have to like hide it and like put it somewhere no, i just do it in my office i mean there's plenty of oh, wires in room. here yeah makes fucking sense in my okay. mind not in her nursery on the floor <laughs> you don't just dump the puzzle pieces into her mouth actually she does like to play with them but you know i keep an eye on her to make sure she doesn't eat them um fair enough i feel like between three animals and a baby like you're definitely not going to have all the pieces by the time you finish that puzzle yeah i was about to say juniper's the biggest threat to my puzzles so honestly <laughs> what's, the I'm pic- not- what's the picture of Oh, it's The Shining. It's the two twin girls in The Shining. Delicious. Obviously. What else would it be? I was thinking of like maybe with all your like, you know, bouncing around the world, maybe it was like a peaceful, breezy ocean. But but apparently it's just more trouble. It calms me. Although I did then the first night that I started it, I did then immediately have dreams that I was in the Stanley Hotel participating in the shining and i was like okay maybe this isn't the best for my were you participating in the you're losing your sanity way or you were one of the ghosts torturing jack nicholson way i was kind of like just on the periphery watching everything go down just hanging you were like the waiter in the bar jay chillin i was like you know what i love when these little parties happen in his imagination (laughs) suddenly i can have a martini you know (laughs) yes i i fully understand you get it (laughs) i get it oh well like i'm just thoroughly losing my mind but thank you for checking on me i do appreciate it um and so yeah it will i will say it will really heal me folks if you go to beachycity.com buy some tickets because some of these cities are kind of random and people aren't buying as many as we'd hoped so we don't want to cancel them so well, please well that happens for us too we still are testing new markets and yeah, it's wild we sometimes, can never predict it sometimes there's cities that have just never fucking heard of us and then there's cities where like we have like a weird concentrated amount of listeners so you just never well, know and sometimes it'll be like oh this place sold great last time and then like two years later it's like never mind nobody likes you anymore in this town it's like oh cool yeah and then you start like playing the mind games of like did everyone leave to after in covid or do or is every single person out of town it's just always and then sometimes there's nothing out of city and then you have to go back to the city and now all of a sudden it's popping so it's like yeah it's hard to like really not tie your self-worth to ticket sales because it feels like a very direct correlation even though like i'm sure it's i'm sure my therapist says it's not but um but yeah if you know if anyone wants to see a fun summer show there'd be drinks there'd be you know one-star reviews of places in your town um come check it out come check it out (gasps) i have a good reason why i drink Tell me, Em, why do you drink on this fine hump day? Ah! The day you say it, I'll have to. I'm trying so hard, but I can't do it. Just whisper it. Just a little whisper. I can't. I can't. can't. Just like a hum. Like a hum day, you know? Like a hum. Hum day. Hey! No, no, you guys. Hum day. Just make the sound. Just a mm hmm. Hum day. Okay. Ah! Okay. I hate myself. I hate myself. <laughs> okay. I uh, drink on this fine hump day because uh, so 
obviously you know i have been working shifts at the bar and by bar i mean my virtual reality what are you talking about you're like oh christine you have so much going on i'm like you have a night you work the third (laughs) shift like at a grog (laughs) shop and it's not like you can just like pop in on the computer virtually it's like oh you have to go to outer space it's not like i can decide when i do and don't go to work and have my like you have to leave this literal hemisphere not even hemisphere (laughs) that's not the right word but also this hemisphere but also this interstellar plane thank you to go do this and like how do you do it is what we're all wondering yeah yeah well i do it um i do it often too so it's it's exhausting this gosh Anyway, for those who are listening backwards and this is your first time experiencing us. <laughs> They're like, M got a bartending gig and you would be right. I did. It's uh, I work at the Startender Academy. Uh, it's intergalactic. <laughs> it is also virtual of my reality. And it's this game I'm very obsessed with. And actually, apparently, I got a few people into it. Um, I saw that. I... A big fan, big fan over here. I have so first of all, I've already beaten the game, and this is the first game I've ever continued to play after already winning. <gasps> Don't you love when you find one of those where you're like, I still want to play it, even though I beat it? It's delicious. Yeah. So mm. now I'm just like racking up like money. I'm getting so now I'm like I at least before I was working this I was playing this game basically where I'm a bartender, everybody. That's what's happening here. And I was doing it originally making money from my bartending and then putting that money towards things to then like eventually win the game. Oh, I but see. But now that I've won, I'm just like racking up dollars I can't spend. But uh, yeah, anyway. Yeah, it's too bad the galactic dollars don't translate to American dollars because I would love for you to start picking up tabs when we go out, you know? Me too, because if you have a two-hour shift at the bar, you make $30,000. So Okay, but um, is that grog dollars is that interstellar dollars i don't know what the word for it what's, is what's the currency exchange rate you know I, what i mean that i don't know and i might actually be much worse i'm not too sure but uh it's enough to build a teleporter so you tell me oh um wow brag here, much huh here's the thing here's the reason why i drink so one of the issues i have with the game is that there's like literally hundreds, maybe thousands of different drink recipes that could show up and you have to make all these drinks, but there's never a place to like learn how to make the drinks. You're just doing it on the fly. Like it basically you get a, it shows you like a menu of ingredients of things you need to put into the cup to be able mm-hmm. to be done with the drink. And I was like, that doesn't feel right. I want to try to memorize some of these drinks so that way I can like be more efficient sure. at, on my shift, obviously. And so I uh, went to Reddit, and I'm in like a I'm like in a VR forum. Uh huh. And I was like, "Hey, I." Uh... What if you were in a bartending forum and you were like, "Hey, I'm <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to work tonight, and I would really like to figure out how to make the 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 Milky Way martini." <laughs> the milky way martini which i will have to learn how to make now but uh i was like hey i'm really bummed i don't know how to make the like the recipes like is there a list anywhere because there's no there's nowhere in the game where you can like practice so like where do i like where does anyone have anything and the creator of the game no commented on my post Ah! and sent a google drive link to the top one front Door. To the top 100 drinks, uh, the most common drinks that you get. So it's not all of them, but it's a very <sighs> good start. That's the top 100 most likely drinks I'll get in the game. 
I'm so impressed. I me too because I really did nothing. I expected like Joe from the basement to like say Joe something. Joe from the basement. You know, I thought someone was gonna have some like weird background. Oh, I made this random chart kind of thing. <laughs> but the literal fucking creator of the game was like, "Oh, here you go," and just sent a link. Um, and that's why I drink. I'm so impressed with you. Uh, me too. <laughs> okay. Do you have anything else, or should we? Should we? Uh... I, like, let's let's crack into it. But um, I hope it's okay if I brought my little friend today. Oh God, I feel like you don't go anywhere without your little friend anymore. Yeah. Well, you know, I brought my little tiny legal vape pen um because i had like a live interview with the vegas live morning news or whatever and i get so outrageously nervous beforehand that i start like vomiting so i uh so anyway so i had this ready for ready to go and now that we're recording i'm like well why not i had to do the same thing i took i had to take a a whole well i took half of a xanax (laughs) a xanax at seven in the morning like i was Like, just because I couldn't get it together, like, propranolol was not enough. I was so stressed. And, like, these, by the way, for anyone who is interested in this side of things, when we've had to do, like, news broadcasts or, like, morning shows, like, to, like, promote either the podcast or the book or our ticket sales. Right. They're literally two-minute, two-minute interviews. No, like, Like, it's literally two minutes and you basically don't speak because they're, like, talking and leading the conversation. And, and like, we'll even get briefing sheets before an interview where they'll tell you, like, hey, this is what you can expect. These are the questions they're going to ask. And right. it'll tell you in there, like, the duration of the interview, like, how much time it's going to take. It sometimes literally says two minutes. Yeah. And I needed a whole – I need half a fucking Xanax to answer questions I know they're going to ask me. That's – it's so complicated like, what's because – what's wrong with me? No, I'm the same way. And it's, like, there's something about it that's so much more anxiety-inducing for me than, like – I don't know why. Like, poor M has had to talk me through these so many times and be like, it's four minutes. It's not going to be a thing. And then um, I've had to do that where I, like, take some anxiety medication and then it's over. And then I'm like, well, now I'm all bleh because I took one 10 minutes ago. Yesterday I, I had I had my two minute interview and I was like, well, now I'm just riding Xanax for the day, I guess. Like, <laughs> like that was not worth it. Like, but then also there was no way I was going to get through without taking it. So I'm just like. Oh man, I feel uh, it's why. And the questions are like, "How did you meet? What is the podcast about?" Like they're literally. Not, it's not fucking calculus. They, today like, they said, "What's your favorite drink?" And I said, "Box wine." And they were like, <laughs> "There you have it, folks." <laughs> and you needed anti-anxiety medication yeah, for exactly. that. Exactly. So I didn't do anti-anti-anxiety medication. I'm trying to like limit the amount of that I use, right? Um. So I brought my little my little friend, and he does just it, does. Does it work huh? exactly the same? No, certainly no. not. I, okay. But I'm, but I'm testing out, you know, different different methods because obviously, um, in a past life, as in a few years ago, I probably would have been drinking. But now I'm a parent, I can't just have a. I mean, I can, but I can barely do a puzzle, so I can't really be drinking at <laughs> one in the afternoon unless like there's somebody around to, you know. So I'm trying to just find ways to cope with life. Um, and mm-hmm. I know a lot of people will say, "Why don't you just cope with life?" And I'm, I say to that life's too short to cope with life like let me just bring my little vape friend you know maybe i need a little vape friend i, I think you do it's way le- it's way legal where you are here i, I have to like fucking buy it on the internet from some technical hemp produced thc8 to, uh, you know it's listen 
Oi, oi, oi. Give it a try. Also, can I say one thing? Well, we've been doing, we've been saying one thing for like 22 minutes now. So yeah. <laughs> okay. I have a reason I drink. Or okay. That you, that you drink. Uh, oh, oh, okay. Because I felt like being a little snoopy. And so I immediately found your Reddit account. So uh, based on what you just told me. So just oh, in yeah. case you want to, um, I mean, I haven't looked at anything. Cause it's none of my business. I don't but... think I've posted, I've posted like two things on Duggar the Duggar Reddit and that's it okay I'm not reading anything because it's it's really it feels invasive but I am scrolling through to see what that you did post in bringing up baits bringing Um, up baits so I don't know if you ever need uh if you if there's anything you want to just because on mine I know people will find it so I I like hid my post activity or whatever Mm -hmm. so that people can't see what I've commented and posted but i just feel like you should know that because i google i started searching <laughs> star tender i found oh it. no you're good i just checked my profile now i've only i've had let's see oh i've had an account for three years and i've posted three times interesting um is that what it says for you no no but i mean one two, one two three i'm not reading them four five i don't care six seven eight nine i mean nine i don't know what they say so i'm just giving you a heads up now before the episode airs just in case you want to privatize it otherwise oh, fine. makes no difference to me there's one which if you're going to re- watch anything it's i post it was the first time i think i had posted and it says uh duggar it was in duggar the duggar snark and there's a clip that i had to post because i watched it of jim bob literally drank vomit his children's what? he literally drank his children's Why? vomit so I posted and I said, remember when Jim Bob drank vomit? <gasps> and then the tag is vomit hazard. And it got 166 upvotes and 109 comments. Good for you. Thank you. Yeah. And then another one I posted. I mean, I, I really don't post too much in there. I'm usually a lurker. But um, but sometimes there's just things you got to say. So Okay. I'm reading the Bates one. It's so funny because when I did... It's so funny because I did the Duggars last episode as, the, mm-hmm. you know, when this comes out, which was like two days ago for us uh and you posted a whole thing about the rooms the room layouts which is so funny because you said that on the episode you're like a lot of times i think about the room layouts when i'm going to sleep yeah and i and it's like such like a, a secret knowledge because they did like a, a tour for, at some point and then someone asked about the rooms and i was like this is my moment i have literally it's probably the longest post i've ever written and it was all this information on like because they were like how do they fit that many kids in and i was like i have the answer i know you were like finally <laughs> um anyway i i just was so excited because i found the star tenders recipe list and i'm like this is such a cool thing that you got a response from and now of course i'm opening the drive the google drive and looking at i'm sorry i know you know these so well right now but like some of these are fucking great uh let's see the battery acid of course um the cosmos politan there's one called a screaming organism the wormhole i mean these are oh there's really... the there's the wormhole the black hole the white hole they're all holes ah, i yeah. love the i love glurp i love glurp glurp that's, is easy that's, that's just glurp. F- i just want to have a glurp <laughs> anyway i'm so sorry that i know that was another giant derail but i felt like you should know that um if i can find it some some of our sneaky listeners can find it <laughs> that's fine that's fine i appreciate the warning By now, you've probably heard about Burrow, a new kind of furniture company known for timeless designs, durable materials, and details that make life in your space easier. 
Last year, they brought their expertise outside with the launch of their outdoor line, which I love, and now they're adding more must-have pieces to the collection. For example, Dunes offers seating, dining, and lounger options, while Scout is a new folding chair upholstered in a chic woven fabric. And I think I'm going to get two of those for the balcony. Blaze and I love to sit out there in the evenings after Leona goes to bed. And I love the idea of having a good-looking but also extremely useful and comfy place to sit outside. Made of durable materials made for all seasons, weather-resistant teak, stainless alloy, and quick-dry stain-resistant cushions with easy assembly and disassembly this is the perfect thing for your outdoor space they also just launched a new standing desk co-pilot with adjustable height a durable scratch resistant body with built-in storage to make working at home easier than ever i'm in the market for a new desk um so this is definitely gonna be my next bookmark and of course there's burrow's legacy seating collections like the nomad and range now available in new colors and m and i that's like the only piece of furniture i think we actually share is our burrow sofa in the podcast department Love that thing. And that's why we drink listeners can get 15% off their first order at burrow.com slash drink. That's burrow, B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash drink for 15% off. Burrow.com slash drink. It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Junie, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. And Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com ATWWD, code ATWWD to save 20%. prettylitter.com ATWWD, code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Now I've just got ghost stories for you. Yes. Yes. Um, this is definitely shorter than last week's three-hour episode. Sorry, everybody, but also not really. Um, mm. But to give you something a little more palatable, I'm doing kind of um, a vaguer topic. And by that, I mean uh, I'm covering a college and so and, and the how haunted it is. But uh-huh. I'm only going to talk about kind of the main players ghost-wise. I think colleges are interesting because there's – they're so often they're so old or they've been around at least for a few decades. Um, the land that it was on has its own history that a lot of times we mm. don't know too much about gloss over. There's so many people. I mean, every four years there's like new people coming sure. in and out of this place that all bring their own energies. It reminds me of like a hospital where it's like people are just going in and out. In and out. Yeah. And, and then there's faculty and there's the same thing there. So I, I feel like colleges are, always haunted because someone's bringing something to campus at all moments and uh so i I don't really want to say like i'm covering all the ghosts i'm sure there's got to be like another several i'm i'm not totally handling but this college does have some famous ghosts so i'm just going to talk about the famous ones and this college is the university of toronto (gasps) 
Oh, Canada. Okay. I just gasped with, along just to make everyone else who's listening who has some affiliation uh-huh. feel heard because I know that they also gasped because Understood. I'm sure a lot of people were like, oh my God, what if it's my college? It, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, especially like we all know if uh, if I were living somewhere else during my college years, I would have applied to University of Toronto. I probably might have not gotten in, but you know what? I would have tried. <laughs> So I'm sure you would have. In another world, this was my dream school. So uh, anyway, I'm very excited to talk about it. I did learn a fun fact, which I'd like to start out with, which is that University of Toronto is used as a filming location quite a lot, which Mm. makes sense. I know we do a lot of filming in Canada, and Canada usually Vancouver. Yeah, right. I guess like it's usually Vancouver because it's like LA to Vancouver. I guess I've got other little hotspots that they go to but Good university of, university of toronto is often used as harvard and mit <gasps> which is so wild that like we'd rather go to toronto than Hilarious. like boston <laughs> i'm sure there's a lot of like tax incentives for filming up there i feel like that's why they do that yeah well uh so university of toronto is a filming location a lot it's been used in Goodwill Hunting, The Incredible Hulk, RoboCop, Tommy Boy, Mean Girls, Shazam, The Time Traveler's Wife, Shadowhunters, The Shape of Water, Warehouse 13, and The Boys. Most I wish I wish you could guess. I wish we had time for you to guess which of those I have and have not seen. Oh, <laughs> it's like so obvious to me. I'm like seen, not seen, seen, never gonna see. <laughs> uh, I have I've only actually seen a few of them too. I don't. Wait, think you I've mean seen The Boys, like the show? Mm-hmm. Oh, I fucking love that show. Well, That's like one of my favorite shows of all time. It's so fucked up. I have heard that. I feel like it's, every person who watches it tells me that it's, it's fucked like up. It's like deeply upsetting. Like it will like give you serious nightmares, but it's so good. Okay, well That's my that's my great uh great what do you call it? recommendation. That seems on par with everyone else's opinion of it. Uh <laughs> another fun fact is the University of Toronto. I I assume they call it UT. UT. I UT? mean UT. UT on hump day. See, I was going to say, see, I'll do it for that. Uh, it, ha- it was created in 1827. It was originally called King's College. Um, and then it is, oh, and also it's the largest university in the country with 80,000 students. Good job. That's a lot of people. Um, uh, oh, it has, it's so large that it has multiple campuses and each of those have their own colleges. Um, and it's been haunted since the 1870s. So like <gasps> 40 years into the college being around. I love that. And maybe before, but uh, one of the main stories that we know of, and we know about it because the website itself, like University of Toronto website, has a tab that says our ghost story. You're so kidding. They luckily lean into it instead of deny anything. But I love that. So I guess one of the colleges uh, through this university is University College. And the story here, which is like the the biggest ghost story, is that one night there was a student named Alan. And Alan was walking home and he was trying to get to his dorm when he spotted a man crouching on the steps. Oh. Crouching is never safe feeling. Crouching in the dark, especially. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and late at night, you know? Yep. The man was tall and burly, and, uh, the man told Alan, in a Russian accent, by the way, that his name was Ivan Reznikov. If he said it without a Russian accent, I'd be more concerned. 
I'd be like, I don't believe you. And I don't be like, believe you at all. They'd be like, my name is Ivan Reznikov. And yeah, I'd be like, there, oh, be like, okay. Yeah. Good one, Ivan. So Alan, I guess, uh, you know, took pity on him and said, hey, it's really cold. Do you want to come to my dorm? Which, what? like, I don't know, maybe in the 1870s, like. Okay, fair. It was not as widely known that you could they get didn't murdered have those at any blue moment. blue lights that you could press yeah. on campus. <laughs> yeah, they weren't. Uh, yeah, he really just. It was just... like a gas lantern and you had to like figure out how to turn it on. Maybe taking strangers into your home was just so normal. It's just and normal. Makes total sense for Alan. Uh, well, so he invited him over and Ivan followed him. And once inside of uh, Alan's dorm room, Ivan tells him, by the way, I'm dead. <laughs> bt dubs real quick need you to know i was killed 30 years ago oh okay he tells ivan back in 1856 he was one of the builders on campus for the first buildings of the school um and he was a stonemason and while he was working on the construction he became best friends with another stonemason there named paul diablos which interesting last name Oh, creepy. Uh, even the website refers to Ivan as a huge man with fingers bigger than his carver's mallet. Wow. And <laughs> and a violent temper. Oh, that's not good combo. Uh, yeah. And Paul was not that. Well, eventually Ivan suspects that something is going on with Paul. He's like, oh, we're best friends, but something's up. And he... Is wondering, he's wondering if Paul is sleeping with his wife. <gasps> Fiance, but, you know, um, her name's Susie. And Ivan was like, you, Susie, and Paul are getting a little too close. And so that was already um, a rift in their friendship. But I think the more silly rift of them all the another thing that got under ivan's skin was that paul who was one of like of all the stonemasons working on this construction he was like the best at gargoyle work and he used um he used ivan's face as inspiration for one of the gargoyles oh my god which like i feel like that's such a compliment Um, i do too i would be fucking thrilled if i knew how to carve (laughs) <laughs> gargoyle out of stone and i didn't make a christine gargoyle i'd hope you'd be mad at me i would and never fucking forgive you well ivan was the opposite and <gasps> was clearly insecure because he really took it to heart and got unfortunate up in his panties about it and so mm. that plus him like getting kind of suspicious of paul and Susie, he was like this guy is getting under my skin yeah so suspicious of everything um ivan follows paul out of work and realizes that he was right and paul and Susie are planning to run off together well i mean Susie t- scratched out the word Susie diablos and thought that has a much nicer <laughs> ring to it with like than... a little gargoyle face next to it i and mean a heart. how cute well so ivan grabs an axe oh shit he chases paul throughout campus into the university's construction yard where they've been building oh no paul ran into one of the buildings that was unfinished and ivan is running after him swinging an axe through the building and ivan eventually hits a door um but he pulls it out of the door and he keeps on running after paul now that is fucking shining 
right? And yeah. allegedly, the axe mark is still there. <gasps> that is spooky. Which, like, you're already in the middle of construction. You couldn't replace the door. But okay. No, but um, I, li- I like that they, li- like, kept it, you know? Even the guy working there was like, this will make for a wonderful true crime podcast story one day. Yeah. They'll all see. <laughs> so... So Paul is, you know, is freaking out. He's trying to get away. That he's being chased by an axe. But what Ivan doesn't know is Paul had a dagger on him. Oh. And I guess it was he brought a dagger to an axe fight. Great. <laughs> but um, it ended up working, and he pounced on Ivan when he wasn't looking and stabbed him and threw his body down the stairs. And him and Susie helped hide ivan's body together oh my god and they allegedly both left town so alan hears this whole story about ivan from ivan the ghost in his dorm room now. as he's sitting on his bed right can you imagine this alan this is why we don't take strangers in because no, they're gonna literally because of you because the first thing they're going to tell you is they're going to confess to a very brutal murder or they were murdered, but it was because they instigated it for sure. Um, yeah. 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 And also like that, you know, he's, he's good with an ax. Not a he good can't sign. die again. He can't die again. I mean, also, do you have a roommate, Alan? Like what's yeah. going on? I don't think Alan did. Cause I'd like to think two people living there couldn't be this stupid, but okay. <laughs> um, anyway, it, uh ivan tells his story and pretty much right away not giving alan any room to ask questions ivan vanishes which probably for the best you don't need to answer any questions about that or i wouldn't want to if i were in his position uh and as i said the axe mark is still seen in the door it said damn um ivan's body was later found in 1890 when a fire in a campus building was destroyed and the skeleton was found on the foundation and they think (gasps) it was so it was gone until like nobody found it Mm -hmm. oh shit and his skeleton is now said to be buried elsewhere and i one source said on campus so uh if you are one of the people who goes to university of toronto and you know just where he's buried um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> good for you that's a fun fact i hope you're a tour guide for the upcoming freshman mm-hmm. um and yeah so his skeleton was uh was found and reburied and in theory uh ivan has now moved on but ever since students still report having experiences with ivan people wow. have seen him sitting on the step still in the colds or walking through older buildings i mean i'm sad that he's stuck in crouching in the cold me too but also i wonder why that's the moment of his life he has on replay yeah it's i weird. don't know the people also hear the usual banging creaks and steps and they associate that with him um then again it could just i mean your college was built in the 1820s <laughs> right. but it could be a ghost who knows like, we're gonna be open to the possibility here's my favorite thing mm-hmm. i fucking knew i loved canada and i'm giving i'm doing the full generalization of canada on this one fact about a college in toronto um is that the campus has leaned into this story so much that they now have a cafe reznikov no and a diablo's coffee bar (gasps) i was gonna say he's so happy but then i realized wait he's probably not because wait is the gargoyle still there 
Oh, that's a great question. I don't because know. Because I wonder if Ivan, like his his unfinished business is to destroy that gargoyle. <laughs> <laughs> I like that they have like the like a rivalry. I like to think the cafe and the coffee bar. I do like, too. One's Ivan's and one's Paul's. You pick Paul's. your team. Yeah. <laughs> I like, I personally hope that the Diablo's coffee bar has gargoyles. Now right? that. It better be part of the theme. That's what I'm saying. Well, so another story here is that a security guard in the 80s said that he witnessed spooky shit a lot, especially during renovations on campus. Mm -hmm. Uh, One of the main things he would see were the lights turning on and off by themselves. And sometimes it was just one light or two lights at the same time. But uh, there was one time where like all the lights turned on at the same time and he thought there was a break in called the cops and they couldn't find anything. Mm. Another thing that's happened is locked doors unlocking themselves. One student actually tried to get through a locked door, couldn't do it. So they turned away and and started heading away. And then the door flew open by itself, even though it had just been locked. Absolutely not. And when he walked through uh, that door afterwards, which I would have not done, I would have been like, I was going to say, walked through the run away from the door. I would have been like, now that it's open, it's still locked in my mind. That is not something I'm going to. (laughs) It's actually double locked now. There's (laughs) a chain on it now. Yeah, but I guess he went through that way anyway. And then all the doors after that one started flying open on their own, too. Get it. So that's just one. Again, I'm giving you tastes of ghosts. I'm sure this massive campus actually has many more ghosts. Although I feel like before we go any further, did your school have any like famous ghosts? No. And you know, it's so funny. And I've been meaning to get back to this. But after one time you had asked me that, I think when we did, I think you did some like haunted dorm stories recently. Hmm remember didn't you do an episode on i did i don't remember where it was though i think it was let me see i think it was a couple different places but uh i just remember saying on that episode like oh no there were no ghosts that i knew of i never heard any ghost stories and then a friend of mine that i haven't talked to in years who lived on my floor messaged me and was like oh my god if i knew you were also into ghosts like you and i would have been friends oh no way we just like didn't know because i lived with allison who was certainly not into ghosts right still isn't by the way and then our (laughs) other roommate who's now a doctor and very analytical definitely did not you know but so yeah i i feel like um maybe there were and i just didn't know about it but um Teresa, shout out i gotta get back to you i know you messaged me and i never got back to you um and i by the way it was uh episode 313 it was haunted dorm rooms yeah yep yeah, yep yeah, yeah. so no um, i mean i think maybe there were i just don't know about them i feel like there's a lot of places where like it's the music and theater it seems that way buildings that seem to have the most haunts to them and that was how it was at my school my school was also i already just told this story but my my college was previously a high school part of it was previously oh, a high yes, school and they had the bowling alley and all that the bowling alley that was like there was actually a bowling alley next to the school and they've they have combined into one building now but uh it used to be a high school and the gymnasium never got torn out and so there's it's kind of like think back rooms for the college (laughs) that i went to and you can still find it and there's like all these warped floors and everything but there's said to be a little girl around and so i i feel like a lot of music places have that um Okay, so now one of the other colleges at the University of Toronto is the Trinity College, um, which has a gray lady, lady in gray, Mm. of course, 
Um, she is seen in the chapel, and she was first seen by a minister before mass. She was seen sitting in the pews and looked really upset, so the minister tried to go over and talk Aww. to her. And she got up and walked away before he could get to her. <laughs> She's like, Fuck she, you. <laughs> she was like, this is not what I'm here for. Aww. He followed her anyway, but then realized that in like the blink of an eye, she was nowhere to be found. Oh, my uh, God. To this day, people still see her in the pews or out by the front of the chapel. People say she still looks upset. They see that she is very pale, almost gray, hence gray lady. Mm-hmm. And a, a musician or a music student, just saying this, a music student was practicing in the chapel one night when uh, they saw something on the lower floor beneath them. So I guess they looked over the railing. <gasps> And they saw someone or something crawling. <laughs> it crawled behind a pew and it would peek its head out to look up at them. But nothing was ever found after that. So, okay. Because it's one thing if you're like, okay, I'm going to back away slowly. It didn't see me. But the fact that it knew you were watching it, forget uh, it. Yeah. Do you think it was Ivan like crouching? Like, <laughs> I'm just crouching down here. <laughs> I I don't know. It makes me think too. Like, was, so is the is the lady in gray? Is she not a lady? Is there something darker there or something? Ladies can crawl. Ladies can. You're right. Uh, I guess was... not if she's in a gray dress. That seems very difficult. You'd well, maybe that's why she looks gray. She's all dusty from just crawling oh, around on the crawling floor. Crawling under the pews. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So either the lady in gray is this creature that crawls around or they are two different entities in which case i understand why she's always so fucking why sad she's sad it was just about to say somehow this makes sense to me you're like this was my this is my only friend in eternity <laughs> uh, my life is so sad there are also uh, at trinity college there are some tunnels under the campus that students have used during bad weather um, i don't know if they still do but at least in the past that was the case and there's a legend that I guess there's one part of the tunnel where the bricks are a little out of order or like look like they're kind of falling out. Right. Which like fa- feels like a construction feels issue that we need yeah. to handle immediately. <laughs> yeah. um, but legend has it that in that one part of the tunnel, there's actually a body trap behind it. And this man's spirit <gasps> tries to grab students walking by to pull them in to be with him. Ew! Which like, can you imagine finally getting out of your house where every single night when you would turn the lights out, you would sprint upstairs because you felt like something was behind you yeah. the whole time. So now going to a college where you're told, hey, in this lonely tunnel that you're walking, someone's going to pull you into the big <laughs> hole in the wall. Like, you know, there are some people who like very quickly just walk around real quick, walk around, you know, just yeah, everyone probably. <laughs> well, so apparently he tries to pull you in and, uh, trap your body in there and if he successfully takes enough students uh the the thought is with every soul he steals another brick becomes loose and one day he'll be free (gasps) what a spooky thought i love that like i feel like half the ghost stories on campuses could either be true or they could have just been written by like an english major who like just like had some sort of like dark assignment they needed to write out and yes that was and they're the just action. staring at the wall and they're like well there's a brick missing i guess i could write about that yeah yeah it's almost like it makes things harder to believe where i'm like oh you are you just it's literally <laughs> there's just thousands of creative minds uh-huh. in one space exactly exactly 
Well, so uh, there's also the spirit of the college's founder uh, who apparently shows up on campus around the anniversary of his death, which is November 1st. And Ooh, day after Halloween. Funny you say that because he's still seen wearing his old fashioned robes and hat and he walks around campus and people often claim to see him on Halloween because it's the eve of his anniversary. I see. And because the ve- the veil is already so thin, it makes sense that they would see him just as he's crossing over. Right. And the first is the Day of the Dead. So mm-hmm. which is when the veil is said to be the thinnest. Yeah. Uh, people also report another professor who died haunting campus, and he is known to knock on doors and throw them open when, even when they're locked. So maybe he was the guy mm-hmm. from earlier. His name was Professor Linden, and so because he's known to uh, blow doors open, students call him Windy Lindy. Okay, I love that. <laughs> and they also say that they really like his ghost, and he's got a good attitude. So I'm uh. I really like Wendy Lindy. Think Let's he's get cool. it, Lindy. I love that. If I were to go to the university's campus and do a little ghost hunting, I'd hope Wendy Lindy made an appearance. Me too. That's the ghost we'd be more comfortable seeing. Yeah, exactly. There's a, there's also uh, another area of the campus is the Royal Conservatory of Music, which I could never get into, to be clear. Yeah, ro- the word royal, I'm already not accepted. The word conservatory? Forget it. <laughs> Uh, so they have a little Victorian ghost in a top hat, of course. Oh, dear. Creepy. Um, apparently they're seen and heard running down the stairs as if they're in a rush. And another music student, uh, I'm just saying another because it seems to be music students who are noticing all of this. Also because I think a lot of music students stay late in practice rooms where it's oh, like... Oh, that's true. You're there off hours. Yeah. And I know a lot of students are in their, like, you know their buildings off hours but i feel like there's something extra creepy about music students or even maybe theater students because the practice rooms are always soundproof like it's just you in the middle of the night in an empty building and it's silent like or or you can just hear like like one person like practicing down the hall it's very spooky just one like high-pitched soprano opera singer (laughs) (laughs) but imagine if there's if they're like a uh I don't know the other ones. Bass? What are the other? The, there's the really the, deep uh, one. Oh, bass, yeah. Bass. Or if there's someone playing the harp. Oh. Spooky. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, it could get really crazy. I feel like also no one ever took advantage of the fact that, like, hey, it's an empty building of musical instruments. We should just, like, have a jam, jam sesh, you know? I feel like maybe they did, but you and I were not in the conservatory. We were not invited, yeah. I wasn't... Also, I don't think they just leave the instruments out. I think every person takes their instrument home with them. Maybe. I, I, so I had some classes in the music building um, the Obviously first couple years. Obviously not the pianos. <laughs> well, they had, like, rooms with, like, instruments, like, around. So I don't know if that was, like... I don't know. If I don't know. accessible. Yeah, maybe other people have already, like, signed off on them that, like, it's there, so you shouldn't touch it. But I was always like, man, this, like, if I wanted to just... Our college had a really, like, weirdly liberal honor code where, like, it was just expected that you never, nothing ever got stolen, ever. You could <laughs> Must be nice. <laughs> and, I mean, like, there were many times, I actually, like, in, in hindsight, I'm realizing, like, one, how lucky I am, but also, like, probably it has to say something for the college. So, like, everyone was on board with this honor code thing. But, like, there were times where I would just leave my laptop for 
hours in a building I was not at and just like wide open. Yeah. I, yeah. And just no one would take it ever. It was just understood that you didn't. That is insane to me. It was in hindsight. I'm like, why was I so reckless? But also thinking about it then I felt like so safe to do it. It was like never. Wow. It was very odd. But so maybe that was, that's the case with some music places where you just don't touch people's music. Anyway, I feel like music places are always super spooky. I just feel like it's too quiet. It's like already set the scene for something eerie. Yes, I agree. Shopping for humans is hard, but shopping for your dog is easy thanks to Bark. Every month they deliver toys and treats just for your pup because they deserve to be spoiled. At Bark, they send your dog a whole new collection of toys and treats made just for them every single month. Whether it's their fun plush toys from BarkBox or their ultra-tough toys from Super Chewer, they give your dog exactly what they want. And for a limited time, they'll double your first box for free. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com drink. That's right, you can sign up now at BarkBox.com drink for this exclusive offer. This ad is now over. Let's go back to petting our dogs. Daylight saving time is starting up again. It may feel like there are more hours in the day, but if you're hiring, it doesn't necessarily help you find qualified candidates any sooner. There's only one way to do that, ZipRecruiter. Right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com drink. ZipRecruiter works around the clock to find qualified candidates for you. Once you post your job on ZipRecruiter, they send it to 100 plus job sites so you reach more of the right people. ZipRecruiter's smart technology also quickly scans thousands of resumes to identify people whose skills and experience match your job. Spring forward with a new hiring partner, ZipRecruiter, and find top talent sooner. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to this exclusive web address to try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com drink. Once again, that's ZipRecruiter.com drink. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. So at the Royal Conservatory of Music, there was one music student who was there in a practice room alone at night, and he heard footsteps coming towards his room. So I guess Uh-oh. this practice room was not particularly soundproof, but okay. Um, but heard footsteps walking towards him, and then he saw a man look through the window in a top <gasps> hat. Oh! And when the student tried to open the door for him to let him in, nobody was there what? to, to be found. To let him in? I don't know what to tell you. Don't let him in. A different time, a custodian saw the same man in the empty music hall and then felt someone tap his shoulder. So when uh, he looked away and then looked back, the top hat man was gone. But was anyone actually tapping his shoulder? Mm-mm. Oh, no. So it was like a double prank. Yeah, it was like, stop looking at me. I'll distract you. <sighs> Gosh. Some students also hear and see practice room doorknobs turning on their own. When nobody is on the other side of the door. Mm-hmm. And they've even seen doors shaking violently like someone is trying to shove their way in, even though the door is unlocked. So it's like okay. they Okay. So it's like purely to scare you, or they just don't know how doors work. <laughs> I wish it were the second one. <laughs> I know. And uh 
I mean, there. Oh, there's also in this building. Say it with me, a lady in red. Yeah, uh, she's always there. I, one day we're gonna figure out. It's the same goddamn lady, and she, she is, is just jet setting. She's like on another, literally, in on another realm. She is globe trotting like I've never she's seen. Like, but don't get it twisted. I am not the one crawling on the dusty ass floors. <laughs> that is the gray lady, and she gets to keep that title. <laughs> exactly. Please don't <laughs> don't put don't, don't sully my name. No. So she's seen walking the halls nobody knows her story but they all say that she's a lady in red um and now we're going to go to the regis college of university of toronto and they're the home of this college is a building called the christie mansion Um, christie or christine christie damn it i know sorry we can throw an n in there i don't care he's christine mansion Oh, I love that's your house actually. Christine um, Chapel. <laughs> the pristine Christine Chapel. That's right. The pristine Sistine Christine Chapel. No, well, that's why we say Christine Chapel because it rhymes with Sistine Chapel. I know. I'm just trying to throw as many words in as I can no, that rhyme. Let's just leave it at Christine Chapel because I want it to be clear that this place is yours and yours only. Is only mine. It is also pristine because I don't need anything crawling through the dirt on the floor under the pews. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. There's also no pews. Oh. that That's all you need to know. Okay. That's fine. Uh, We'll have to shop that later. If only, you know, one day. I, think, I, I don't know what there is to shop. I feel like I just laid out the exact storyline for you. Just an empty church. <laughs> and I wish you would just stop trying to shop my perfect creation. If I still had all of like RJ's streaming stuff in here and I could like we could do like a Sims day. A Sims build. It'd be fun oh. to create a, a pristine Christine chapel. Wouldn't that be fun? Let's do it. Well, we'll figure it out eventually. I'll but... figure out how to buy a computer. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so that'll fix it. <laughs> okay, so the Christie Mansion is owned by Robert Christie. And he lived there with his wife and three kids, and it's this massive building. But he had a mistress, mm-hmm. and he got a little obsessed with her, so he locked her in the false wall of his home. <gasps> what? I'm like, oh, that <laughs> happened. Oh, that doesn't happen. Jesus Christ. Eventually, he got tired of her, or oh, something they broke up, or something happened, but he kept her locked away because he didn't want to get found out. Jesus and ultimately, she hanged herself with her blanket. Um, and then Robert had to sneak her body out without his wife and kids knowing or society. <gasps> and the secret room was later found out when the building later became part of the college as a dorm. He's like, yeah, you can have this. Yeah, take it away. Also, don't worry about that one room at also, all. Also, wait till I'm dead because I really don't want to go to jail. Yeah, right. So the residents ended up moving into this building and they realized that the door to that room would swing open and closed <sighs> all night long, but you can never open it yourself. Ew. That's so, like those porthole windows at the Queen Mary where they're so heavy, mm-hmm. but then they just swing by themselves. Ooh. Yeah. It was, it's like as if the door is locked and you couldn't get in, even if the door was unlocked. And I have had experiences like that myself and they're so fucking creepy. And had I known I was in a haunted location, um, uh. I would have left. But I just thought, <laughs> I just thought, oh, the door must really be stuck. There must be a draft, or the the wood on the door must have warped or something. But I mean, you would get trapped, trapped in this room, and 
there's no other way to put it it makes no sense but it was like the door was cemented to the wall even though the doorknob is being is turnable like you like it doesn't feel like the the doorknob itself is locked at all where was that uh it's called the homestead it's like uh like oh yeah you've talked about that on the show i think yeah there there was one room that was one of the creepier nights the entire time i was there really weird stuff was happening i think but that was an early episode with uh deirdre you guys told that story she was there when they yeah. when that happened but i mean anytime one of us went to the bathroom because it was the bathroom door anytime right. one of us went to the bathroom we had to like buddy system and like someone had to like Ugh. stand next to the door because anytime the door got closed it Forget was it there was no getting out. There was multiple people. We were trying to throw our bodies into the door to get it open. But then mm-hmm. out of nowhere, you can just open the door. Out it's of fucking like, nowhere. Just, oh, what's your problem? Yeah. It was like, it, I felt so gaslighting. It I was feels like, like it's the, mocking you. Yeah. I was like, what the fuck is going on? And so either it was the easiest door in the world to open, or you might as well have been running into a brick wall. <laughs> um, and so I guess that's the situation that happens here at the Christie mansion where students will like literally get locked in there by accident and they'll have to like bang on the doors and bang on the walls at nights for someone to open the door oh, to, no. to let them out. But then there's other times where it's like, it's mocking them because they can't get out. But the person on the other side of the door can just open the door. Like it's not a problem. Oh, that's very rude and very gaslighty. Yeah. There's also, I like this one. This is, um, the Massey College. Uh, there's a very happy ghost there named Robert Davies, who was the first master of the college, and he would host Christmas parties every year, which he called Gaudy Night. Ah, I like it. And I would love to attend a Gaudy Night. And if the vibe is like we're dressing camp, like very like oh Do- yeah Dolly Parton, I would lose my fucking mind. That's I'm amazing. calling it a naughty Gaudy Night. You know what I'm saying? Ah, oh my gosh. Okay. Then hang on, maybe we should do that for Christmas. We'll have a naughty gaudy. This I'm willing to shop. You leave my Sistine Chapel out of it. I will host it if you want. I will I will offer the Sistine Chapel as the the you know home of the party, but Well, you know, I I always told you that my old boss, anytime she ate a snack and she felt guilty about it, you know what she'd always say. <laughs> yes. What would she always say? She would say, I'm being so naughty. Yeah! <laughs> she would I I would come Which... into I would come into work and she'd have like a bacon, egg and cheese. And she'd be like, don't tell anyone. I'm being so naughty today. So naughty today. You and I still say that like (laughs) together and separately. Like I still say that to people. And I'm like, that's oh, that's based on M's former coworker that I never met. (laughs) It was my boss, too. And so every (laughs) every time I saw her, she'd be like, what do you what do you she was food obsessed. I loved her. And she's like, what are you eating this weekend? Are you going to get so naughty? (laughs) What are you eating this weekend? Sometimes you just got to be naughty. Anyway, you got to at our naughty gaudy party we're that's going to be the tagline we're being so naughty tonight <laughs> so naughty time to be naughty well so at a... and it just means we're eating a lot of good food that's all it means does it okay so <laughs> at massey college the main ghost there when rob was robert davies and when he lived there or when he was part of massey college he would host gaudy night for christmas okay while he was there this guy would be right in our wheelhouse christine he would make up ghost stories to entertain the guests, and he even published a book about the ghost stories he told at Gaudy Night called High Spirits. <gasps> High Spirits. I love I that. I love this guy. He also told his coworkers, hey, one day when I die, I'm going to actively try to become a ghost on campus. Come on. And now 
in Massey College, where he used to have Gaudy Night, objects move and disappear by themselves. Figures show up in the hall. People hear footsteps and banging, and a male figure shows up in people's graduation pictures. Fuck yes. He's being so naughty. (laughs) He is. And I have never felt more like in tune with a ghost ever ever ever. i love him so that's robert davies if i'm gonna be haunted by anyone i want it to be him um and then there's the Wahlberg building these are just some quick ones but in the Wahlberg building engineering students have had a spirit show up and help them with their projects when they are that's nice it sounds real fucking nice especially engineering you need all the help you can get like can you imagine they're trying to help but they like press the wrong thing and the whole thing crumbles to the (laughs) ground and you're like i swear it was a ghost (laughs) yeah also like what if it's just like what if that ghost wasn't an engineering was a music major like yeah what what do they know what if it's just like a random a random ghost that didn't even die on campus and was never enrolled there it's just a random person who's like you should do that and then it doesn't work the whole bridge collapses well, apparently this one actually will tell you if there's like broken wires or something on your engineering projects. Apparently there was one uh, team that was working on a lab project with circuits and this ghost came up and told them what was wrong with the project. And when they <laughs> fixed it, it worked and there was no one there to thank afterwards. Oh, man. There's also the McLaughlin Planetarium, okay. which uh, I hope I said that right. Looks like McLaughlin to me. Um, there are, there's a ghost of a little girl named Celeste and she's been haunting the building ever since the sixties because when she was a little kid, she was said to just love the planetarium shows and just likes to still watch. And And with a name like Celeste. I know. I wonder if like other kids though, just kind of came up with with that. I was going to say, I wonder if that was made afterward because it's a planetarium. I know. It's fitting. I hope it's her real name. That's so written in the stars oh Oh, i see what you did there (laughs) uh sadly the planetarium is said to be demolished soon and people are worried for celeste but um i I hope she's gonna be okay i hope so there's also uh the mcdonald's oh god mcdonald moat house m-o-w-a-t moat moat okay uh and allegedly the Canada's first prime minister haunts this place because uh, his name is Sir John McDonald and he once lived there and now it's part of University of Toronto and people still see him rushing around like he's still working, which again, Aww. we've talked about it before, but can you imagine still working in eternity like you just haven't earned absolutely not fucking relaxation absolutely not and i don't buy it when people say he just loved his job i'm like nobody loves their job that much i definitely love my job enough to watch you continue without me but i'm done i'm out yeah but like let me rest (laughs) yes please uh yeah you can talk to me through a ouija board or something when i'm gone but (laughs) other than that i'm not coming back to keep hosting with you you know uh so there's also the Soldiers Memorial Tower, which is a memorial um, on campus to uh, Canadian World War I soldiers. And in the 1930s, there was a worker on the top of this tower who lost his footing and dropped to his death. <gasps> oh. This is crazy. People still see him repeating the fall. Oh, oh, that's traumatizing. Even more traumatizing. He apparently looks alive and real. And so does the impact of his fall. Oh. <gasps> 
apparently apparently it looks and sounds very real and then his body vanishes oh no which like can you imagine the trauma of like thinking you just saw all of that and now there's no one to confirm it that's crazy. oh my god and then you don't get validated at all Oof. um other than that they uh, i'll say there's apparently i don't know if there's like university of toronto ghost tours but there's apparently a ghost walking map I didn't find this on I found this as like a was written down but I I didn't see the actual map itself I'd like to find one of those and I'll end on this the University of Toronto and local ghost organizations remind people to be safe because there have been people who have done some risky things to try to Mm -hmm. find ghosts including one couple recently who climbed onto the roof of the Daniels building and the woman fell to her death Ironic, oh. ironically, they were um, going up there and investigating or exploring because in that building in 2001, there was an unsolved murder and they were, I guess, true crime fans. Shit. So they were looking around and didn't find anything, but uh, she ended up dying herself. So That's horrible. Um, great way to end this. That is the yeah. ghosts of University of Toronto. Wow. Now you know how I feel trying to end on a i don't know how you do it a messy one <laughs> i just ripped it off like a band-aid so that's what you gotta do um yeah. wow em what a story what a story thank you and i again i know there are several more and i'm, oh, I'm, I'm sure i'm sure if there are students there who listen to this you are um, i hope i did some justice i'm sure there's big well, chunks that i missed but that's those are the leading ones according that's, to that's google the nature of doing a limited time crunch show um where we don't have you know three hours, hours like hours we did hours. <laughs> yeah we do sometimes have three hours but uh this leaves room for people to send in their stories for a listeners episode maybe yeah that's great you know, that's if good you point. have some some more dorm stories okay um i have a tale for you this is the story of the porco family porco family yes now it's a weird name i know and it's spelled p-o-r-c-o okay so it doesn't look nearly as weird as it sounds, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. It, it just has a ring to it because the dad of the family, his name is Peter Porco, which sounds like a cartoon character to me. Totally. And he's a pig. It's Porky Pig, Peter Porco. Like, it's hard to not equate those in my mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I just wanted to get that out of the way so Thank that you. we can get to the story. But I wanted everyone to know I also had that thought. Uh, so the shows that... Uh, initially alerted me to this case were uh, it was initially an episode on 48 hours mystery on cbs and then i also found a forensic files episode about this Mm. so i'm going to tell you about the porco family uh first off just who is involved there's peter porco who is a 52 year old lawyer for a prominent judge and his wife joan porco who is a children's speech pathologist at a local school district uh they live in or they lived in bethlehem new york and had two grown sons who did not live with them. So they had Jonathan Porco, who's the oldest, eldest son. He was a 23-year-old naval officer stationed in South Carolina. And then he had one younger brother named Chris, Christopher Porco, a 21-year-old student at the University of Rochester, which was a couple hours away from, from his family's home. Cool. Okay. So late November of 2004, Peter, the lawyer, he uh, did not arrive for work one morning. 
And his coworkers knew something was wrong pretty immediately because he had never missed work without letting them know they're calling, nobody's answering, so they notify the police. Mm-hmm. When detectives arrive at the Porco's residence, they find right inside the front door well Peter Porco at the bottom of the stairs. He is drenched in blood. Ugh. And it appears he had died hours before after being attacked repeatedly with an axe. (gasps) Oh, my God. Wow, we both did axes. I had that same thought. And then I was like, oh, The Shining, too. I feel like this is a weirdly axe-heavy episode, which I don't love. Jeez, if you walk by an axe later, just dodge it. Just This episode (sighs) is sponsored by Axe Men's Body Spray. (laughs) I'm just kidding. Just Uh, just an axe, actually, who paid us to talk about him. Yeah, I meant axes in general. So they know that this was an axe that caused his death because the axe was still there. So Mm. they see a bloody axe at the scene. The crime scene is a huge mess. There, as you can imagine, there's blood everywhere. But oddly, there were also trails of blood through the house. Mm. And that's because, as it turns out, Peter Porco had not died right away (gasps) after being struck over and over and over again. Oh, is this the guy with the head injury and he's walking around? He's walking around. And he didn't remember. He had like, it was like a head, right? Yes. I'm so glad you're covering this because I've always wondered. You nailed it. You fucking nailed it. I've always wondered. Okay. So at some point after the killer had already fled, I mean, assuming this man was dead, Peter had regained consciousness and started to go about his normal routine. Mm. So he was trailing blood through the house, which is how they were able to figure out what he was doing. He used the master bathroom. Then he went downstairs to make breakfast and unload the dishwasher. Yep. And he's just like profusely bleeding from his head wounds. Like he just must have had like the axe must have hit him in the right spot in the brain where he just didn't feel pain or didn't remember. Or you something? could work at forensic files, I think, because you're, you're, oh, you're on to you're onto it. <laughs> but I'm like, I mean, because usually my thought would be, did you have a head injury? And like, very much, yes, this man had a head uh, injury. Yeah, so. yeah, like, honestly, the only thing we for sure know at this point. Oh, my God. Um, okay. So there are two theories on this. And I want to say 48 Hours Mystery. I don't know if it was uh, filmed and produced like earlier than the forensic files, but there are some discrepancies that almost seem to me anyway, as if forensic files, once their episode aired, they had gathered more information. Okay. That makes sense. So it's, it's almost like there were some developments in the forensic files episode that were not in the other one. So I'm going to kind of waffle a little between them. Um, But essentially what happened is according to the 48 hours mystery, they believed he was in such profound shock that Mm. he had not processed what had happened. And there are cases of this Um, either that, or as you suggested, the part of the brain that had remained intact and not injured was the part that's responsible for like everyday mundane tasks, uh, repetitive behaviors that you do over and over again. Um, And according to forensic files, that was the reason that he was doing this. So it was, you know, Either his mental processing had been severely damaged or, you know, he was just in total shock. Wow. At one point, he even walked outside to grab the newspaper. Yeah. 
Which, like, can yeah. you imagine being his neighbor and, like, accidentally That's seeing that? what I thought. And I'm like, what are, like, nobody happened to glance out. Like. And for them to be able to know that means there was blood trailing his front yard and down the Correct. driveway. And the Correct. mailbox. Correct. Boy. So they knew that, as you said, there was a trail of blood leading out the front fucking door. Uh, and according to Forensic Files, and this is where one of these kind of details is presented differently so i i don't know which one exactly it is but according to forensic files he had walked out to get the paper but accidentally let the door lock behind him mm. imagine with this head injury and oh you're locked God. out of your house it looks like 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 a jump scare attraction at a, yes. at a, at a haunted halloween thing of like yes. a bloody man trying to break into a house a hundred percent and like oh a trail of blood leading away so what they think happened is he used the spare key under the potted plant to re-enter the house. Like Damn. he had enough wherewithal to know where the spare key was, after which he at some point collapsed at the base of the stairs and ultimately died of blood loss. Which wow. is just a wild, it's all just a wild thought. But I will say th the thing that differs is that some, the other docu documentary and some other uh, sources believe perhaps the spare key was used by the killer to get into the house. Mm. They know the spare key was used. They don't know if it was the killer who used it or if it was Peter Porco after going to get the newspaper. So, But somebody uh -huh. used the spare key. So investigators ultimately determined when like looking at this crime scene that someone had entered the Porco residence sometime after 2 a.m., disabled the alarm system, went into the garage, found an axe that belonged to the family... Went upstairs to the master bedroom where Joan and Peter Porco were sleeping and attacked with the axe, striking them in the face and head dozens of times. Wow. The killer then left the axe at the foot of the bed, headed outside, cut the house's phone lines, smashed the uh, security system panel, oh. and fled into the night. Wow. So now you think you would do those two things first? Uh, yep, you do. You would. All right. And you also wouldn't leave the murder weapon at the scene of the crime, but okay. You'd also think so. Yep. Uh, but I guess, what do you do? Take it with you and then yeah. have it in your car, you know, then leaving blood everywhere. I don't know. So we're back to the crime scene now. And a Bethlehem police crime scene detective named Christopher Bodish was downstairs, you know, where Peter's body had been found while his officers were uh, going through the house to clear it to make sure that the perpetrator wasn't still in the home. And that's when he hears from upstairs one of his officers call out to him. They had found Joan in her bed, having been attacked by the ex, and oh. she was still alive. <gasps> oh, my God. Which means... So she was hurt and probably like thinking that she wasn't going to be alive or maybe she she was probably and then freaking she hears out the dishwasher yeah. running downstairs yeah she oh, was hearing her husband walk around like nothing was going on i wonder like could she was she not in a okay i'll tell you exactly okay. what you're wondering because okay because that is part of the detail so and if I don't tell you what you were wondering, let me know. But I, I think I'm going to okay. cover that in a moment. Um, so Detective Bodish, of course, rushed into the master bedroom. He finds Joan Porco laying crosswise across the bed, and she is able to gesture to him. Um, okay. And so the axe wounds on her face were so bad that she couldn't speak. Oh, my God. I was her, That is what I was going to ask. Like, why Her didn't face she... had been completely destroyed by the axe wounds. Oh, my God. And... 
so you know obviously this is a extreme crisis um but as they were waiting on the medics to remove her from the home and take her to the hospital uh and knowing she could die at any minute Detective Bodish was like, I got to think fast. So he decided to quickly ask her a few questions to try to get as much information as possible. So uh, when Joan was asked whether she could hear him, she nodded yes. So then he knows she can at least acknowledge his questions. In a strange coincidence, there's a little side note. Bodish had actually met the couple two years earlier on like a total... A different, a totally different situation. They had actually reported a theft of their two laptops, which I guess they had left. They had not left in one of M's college <laughs> buildings because apparently it would have been safe there. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Anything safe there, yeah. <laughs> but apparently their laptops had been stolen two years prior, and he was the detective on that case. So he had actually interviewed with them and met them, um, and he, because of that, knew the family, and so he knew that. She and Peter also had two sons. Okay. So today at the crime scene, Bodish realizes, like, he's putting the pieces together. He realized, like, the spare key is still in the door. Uh, Whether that was Peter or the killer, we do not know. Nothing in the house had been taken. And he's starting to think, well, this is probably an inside job. So he asks Joan, do you know the killer? And she nods, yes. Oh, God. He asks, was it a family member? She nods yes again. When asked, did Jonathan do this to you, her eldest son? She shakes her head, no. When asked, did Christopher do this to you? She nods, yes. Mm. Oh my and that God. is when paramedics rush her to the hospital, begin emergency procedures. And that is when authorities begin looking for Christopher, the youngest son. Oh my the God. weird part is... Chris is 200 miles away in his dorm at the University of Rochester. That guy sped to school that day. Oh, my God. (laughs) So when he hears about the attack, he rushes back home to see his mother, who's being taken in for emergency surgery. And meanwhile, he's taken to the police station where he's questioned for six hours. And of course, now police have their eye on him for obvious reasons. Chris claims, however, that he was in the lounge of his dorm building the whole night. He said he was he was had fallen asleep on the couch of the dorm and that he never left campus that night. Wow. Okay. yeah, so that's his claim. But detectives head down there to question uh, the rest of the students who live in the building. And unfortunately for Chris, a group of his own fraternity brothers had stayed up till 3.30 in the morning hanging out in the lounge that night. And they told police that, no, Chris had not been in there with them mm. for a single minute. Oh, wow. Okay. And they talked about this room as just like a normal dorm room floor common area, like two sofas and a microwave like, like you're, it not, you're not missing each other you're not yeah. hiding right exactly so they were like sorry but he was not here so detectives searched his room and they searched his car which was a bright yellow jeep wrangler but they did not find anything not even a spot of blood so they're a little conflicted because you know they're convinced he had something to do with it but they're sort of at a standstill um especially because they check his easy pass records and he had not gone through any tolls that night wow okay and there were tolls on the way back to his family's house but then they get a hold of the university's surveillance cameras and 
what do they see but a bright yellow Jeep leaving the school parking lot at 10.30 p.m. Mm. At 10.36, that same yellow Jeep is spotted by another camera heading east. At 10.45, a New York toll collector says he remembers a bright yellow Jeep with big tires going through his lane. And at 1.51 a.m., another toll collector says she sees a yellow Jeep going through her toll lane in Albany, which is an exit only nine miles away from the Porco house. So now their theory is, well, if this is Chris Porco's car, they believe that he drove from the university to his parents' house but paid cash for the tolls sure, and hid his easy pass, which actually they verified because they found the easy pass hidden in the back seat underneath. Why? That's okay. Well, the seat, <laughs> a bit and of a smoking gun there as far yeah, as I'm and concerned. Apparently that will prevent it from being picked up oh. by easy pass, you know, signaling. As far as I know, as far couldn't as they said just, on the show. Couldn't you just take it out of your car if you wanted to so I badly? Was thinking, but okay, what whatever. do I know? What do I know? What do I know? I'm not an axe murderer, but. <laughs> I'm sorry I laughed, but yeah. Wow. Uh, thank God. So another thing they're not sure about right away is, is this actually his car? Um, and, you know. It's a yellow Jeep. You'd think if you were an axe murderer, which I know you're not. Thank you for clarifying um, mm-hmm. that you would maybe get like a, a Honda Civic or something. something like whatever the most basic car in the whole wide world is. I'm like is. literally yeah. pretty sure that's a Honda Civic because I had one once and I remember people saying it's like the most broken into car because it's just like the most ubiqu- ubiquitous car. Uh-huh. But anyway, so he had a yellow Jeep, but of course that doesn't necessarily prove that it was him. So they started looking at all the camera footage and they realized that on the passenger side, there was this like really big dirt stain that when they uh, compared pictures of Chris's car, the dirt stains completely matched. There was also a ripped parking sticker on the window that completely matched and a bumper sticker and in case you're wondering the bumper sticker said w2004 (laughs) (laughs) okay so this was his car that was driving Mm -hmm. through these tolls however he claimed he was just moving his car off campus because he wasn't allowed to park there overnight okay so I don't know where he was moving it Which, to. Which, fine. I did that a million times in college. Yeah. So that's his claim. So, like I said, they can't make out the license plate, but the decals on the back of the Jeep match the surveillance video. The mud stains all match. And so on November 4th, 2005, almost a year after the attack, Christopher Porco is charged with the murder of his father and the attempted murder of his mother. Mm. And... Like I said, when questioned, he's claiming that he was just moving his car off campus. But then prosecutors are able to find a witness. And this witness is named Marshall Goki. And this Marshall Goki is a neighbor of the Porco family. Wow. Okay. I guess he did not see Mr. Porco getting the newspaper, but he did see at 4 a.m. a yellow Jeep parked in the Porco's driveway. Well, there you have it, my friends. Right. And he said, there is zero doubt in my mind that was Chris's Jeep because he knows Chris's Jeep. He's like, they live next door. I know what their cars look like. I I saw their son's Jeep. I know. I know we already talked about it, but like of all of the cars, you like why a yellow Jeep? Like it was like it couldn't have been more 
obvious, you know? Yeah, I, th- I feel like of all things, like, it's going to stand out, especially if you park it in the driveway of your parents' house. Yeah, rough. So the guy heading to work at 4 a.m. is like, oh, Christmas be over. And then, you know, has to tell police, hey, guess what? I saw that car in the driveway. Yeah, as I had the thought Christmas be over and then realized, oh, Chris must be over. He was, exactly. So things are finally looking pretty good for the prosecution in their case. Um, They are building this case. And then their star witness, Joan Porco, miraculously wakes up from her coma. Unexpectedly, they think she's not going to survive. She wakes up. (gasps) Is she still alive? She's still alive. (gasps) Oh, wow. Wow. I didn't see that coming. Okay. Yeah. So she is still alive. And so they're, you know, they're thankful because this is their star witness. They go to check on her to question her. And Joan says, no, Christopher was not our attacker. My son, Christopher, would never do something like this. Girl, what changed? So now they're thinking... Oh, shit. This was our smoking gun, so to speak. This was the person who was going to say, I see who tried to kill me in this courtroom, and it's my son. Yeah. And now she's saying, Christopher would never do something like that. Okay. So all we know is that Joan has no recollection of the attack. She has no recollection of indicating to police with head nods that her son had anything to do with it. So... She is in full support of her son and says, I cannot believe you would even take that traumatic instance as, you know, at face value. I mean, I could. How how many times have people had to testify against someone who tried to kill them? And like, you know, they're terrified. So I don't blame her if she thinks like he could he could get me then he can get me now. I don't even think it's that. I think it's. It's her son. Oh, like maternal instincts kicked in? I don't think she wants to blame her or even wants to believe that her son could do this. Mm. That's my take on it because I think she's probably just trying to defense mechanism, like just be like, no, of course it wasn't my son. And totally block it out. I I don't know. And uh, obviously I'm no expert, but... It was a very, very sudden turnaround that she said, absolutely not. He would never do this. It wasn't my son. I love him dearly. Yada, yada. A mother's love is crazy. Like It is. So fucking powerful. It is. And like, to be fair, if she doesn't remember it. Yeah, that's true. I can see her saying like, no, I must have just been in a a daze and Mm -hmm. not known what you were asking me, which is fair, too. I mean, they had a witness or... not a witness they had um i guess it was an expert witness who said you know with a traumatic brain injury like she had you can't expect her to be you know clear and aware of what's going on in a conversation and so to be fair like i can totally understand that as well like obviously it's hard to say someone who just got their head smashed in with an axe Mm -hmm. is reliable you know with head nods i can see why that would be questionable also so a month after chris is first charged he is out on bail 
Family and friends rally to support him, insisting that he's innocent. He could never do such a thing. And so his defense team starts to point out some new evidence found at the crime scene. For example, they found a fingerprint on the phone box, which is only inches from the cut phone cord. And Chris's family and friends believe that the fingerprint belongs to the killer. Uh, And so and it doesn't belong to Chris. So, you know. That's Mm. a mystery. And yes, all the evidence so far has been circumstantial. There's nothing, you know, totally provable about this. They were not able to find one shred of evidence that Chris was in the house that night. Not a fingerprint, not a footprint, nothing, no blood, no hair, nothing in his car. Like, he's just not there. Okay. As, as for the surveillance video, his defense stuck with the story that he was moving his car off campus. And by the time he got back to the lounge, his frat brothers had all gone to bed. And that's why they didn't see him there. Now, the alarm keypad. Somebody had disabled the alarm using the family's four-digit code. So they had another code. They knew the code. And even though the uh, keypad was smashed... The person who smashed it didn't realize that that data was stored somewhere else. Smashing Mm. it didn't get rid of the evidence that someone used that specific code to get into the house. Okay. But now the defense is saying, well, maybe Peter turned the, you know, while he's doing dishes and walking around with this head wound, maybe he turned the alarm off as was his habit in the morning. And when the killer came, they just smashed the keypad as, like, a precaution. Okay. So, you know, they're arguing back and forth about this. Um, I can see kind of where this gets muddied because, you know, there's also the key in the lock, which they say the killer did. But then there's proof that Peter Porco left the house. So could so he could have used the key from the spare key lockbox. Mm. Like, it's... It's hard to prove. It's just so hard to prove that Chris was actually the one there. That being said, prosecution was not having any of it. They followed every possible lead and they all kept leading to dead ends, but they were still convinced Chris was the perpetrator. So when the defense argued that Chris would never have harmed another person, let alone his parents, the prosecution was like, fine then why don't we go that route? We're going to prove that Chris is not as angelic and as perfect of a son as the defense is trying to make him out to be. Oh, okay. So they were onto something because remember those stolen laptops from two years earlier? Mm-hmm. Well, it turns out Chris had been the one who had stolen his parents' laptops. Okay. Not very surprising at this point, but okay. And he had staged it as a burglary and later attempted to sell them on eBay and had been caught. Furthermore, his own frat brothers testified that Chris had led them to believe he was like a totally different person. They said he was this rich kid who came from a wealthy family in Connecticut and his grandmother owned all this land. And they said it was not unusual for him to bankroll our parties, tell his friends that their his family owned a lodge in Vermont, a house in Aruba. It was all made up. He like made up this whole fake rich boy persona in front of his friends and In reality, he was actually flunking out of school, and he was deeply in debt. Oh, shit. Okay. Wow. So what's more is when they checked emails in the days leading up to the attack, Chris's dad, Peter, had found out that Chris had been forging his dad's signature. Oh, that's a rough one. That's a rough one. To obtain a car loan 
and a $31,000 loan to pay for school. And now this is how he had actually paid for his yellow Jeep by forging oh. his dad's signature. Man. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. So Peter, his dad, sent him a series of angry emails and some ex excerpts include asking what the hell he had done accusing him of spinning out of control um meanwhile joan his mom had written to him as well telling him his dad was about to have a nervous breakdown over all this and that if he didn't call her she would drive town down to rochester herself to talk to him in person and uh one of the emails specifically read fr from his dad read i may be disappointed in you but your mother and i still love you and care about your future dad Boy, what so these are the emails they're finding just days before the murders. What's also chilling is that Peter had recently mentioned to a coworker, quote, I think my son might be a sociopath. <gasps> Who said this? Peter his said dad. to his coworker. Mm -hmm. That's not good. That's not a good sign. That no. is very unhelpful towards his case. <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Wow. 100%. Chris had also failed out of several classes earlier that year and then forged transcripts so he could be readmitted. Several emails between him and his mother showed how angry they were with him for failing out of school, for lying to them, for stealing from them. So essentially, prosecutors have all of this, and they present Chris as broke and desperate, saying the motive was his parents' money. Alive, the family was worth around $60,000, but dead, they were worth $1.1 million dollars their life insurance mm. policy at the trial which had to be moved all the way from like albany new york or like that area to orange county because <gasps> it was such a circus oh my <laughs> like, god wow locally like, as far away as possible like truly across the coast or coast to coast because of the intense media coverage joan walked into the courtroom of the trial with her arm linked around chris's and Ooh. continued to insist he was innocent. Now, wow. Joan, you can see photos, ha had had to have her face fully reconstructed. Okay. Because, you know, she had been attacked so brutally. And so it's really hard to see her walking with these horrible, you know, you can see the scarring and the aftermath of her wounds. And she's like holding on to her son saying like he could never have done this and just for someone like me who is leaning toward he did do it it's like a very dark picture to look at yeah. yeah so she takes him into the courtroom and she says no way you know he didn't do this uh he would never do this and i want to add one more thing which i don't think i remember to put into these notes but Speaking of the money that they were worth, it turns out that he had had a meeting with like a financial advisor uh, right before the murders. And he told them he would be coming into several hundred thousands of dollars. And it was from a family member. Okay. Is what he told this financial advisor. Implying like, oh, money will be coming. But wink, wink, nudge, Soon. nudge. The person isn't dead yet. Correct. Hoi. So more than 80 witnesses took the stand in this trial, including the paramedics who watched Joan nod yes when asked if Chris was her attacker. So nine of Chris's fraternity brothers were also called to the stand to challenge Chris's alibi that he had been in the lounge that night. 
Christopher's older brother, Jonathan, also testified. And according to the Albany Times Union, Jonathan's demeanor toward his brother was icy cold. And he described their relationship as strained, which, yeah. Oy. He didn't look at Chris the entire time he was on the stand. And then the defense brought Joan herself forward to the stand to testify. She explained she had no memory of the night, but was certain her son had nothing to do with the crime. So on the afternoon of August 10, 2006, the jury deliberated for six hours before finding Christopher Porco guilty of second-degree murder and attempted murder of his mother. He was sentenced to 50 years to life on each count, totaling a minimum of 50 years in prison. Wow. And he is currently incarcerated at the Clinton Correctional Facility in Dannemora, New York. And up until now, all of his appeals have been rejected. Uh, I There were articles as recently as a couple months ago that he's still trying to appeal. Um, but so far, everything's been rejected. He will not be eligible for parole until December 2052. Wow. And to at least, you know, being Joan, this is just... You know, and the, the prosecution said this too, like being Joan, it's horrible because you at least wanted to believe that your son was still your son and hadn't harmed you and hadn't killed your partner. Um, and now her son's going to jail. So it's like she's lost so many people at once. And uh, we don't we don't know if she really is in denial about him being the killer or not. So she... So, we don't know. She insists that she has no memory of any of that. Okay. But she had such a deep-seated guilt because she truly didn't believe that he had done it. And she had such a guilt that, like, maybe she had nodded and had, like, sentenced him to this, to this you know, right. prison sentence. But the jury actually has come out and they have insisted, to this day, they have insisted and still maintain that Joan's nod had absolutely nothing to do with their oh eventual okay. decision okay and so for what it's worth if you know i'm hoping that's at least some comfort to her that like that wasn't what the case was riding on for the jury but then she still has to sit with the fact that like she will never know if maybe her son is willing and capable of doing yeah. that to her yeah and you know i just have to imagine and like i don't know this i have to imagine that if he did do it she and she did somewhere in the back of her mind know it that she's just had to tell herself a different story to get by you know i i don't know but that i mean i i can see that being the case um mm. people have you know convinced themselves of much more wild theories um but yeah so what the jury said is they want joan to know it was not her nod that sent her son to jail it was Chris who got himself there. And that is the story of Christopher Porco and his family. I'm glad you covered it because I've heard that story forever of like a guy who had like a massive mm -hmm. head injury and he was bleeding everywhere and didn't even notice he was bleeding everywhere and he was Ugh. doing his house chores. It's scary. And it's so not random. It's so bizarre to like like to hear a story of someone's going about their chores dripping in blood and they don't even mm -hmm. notice you're like what mm -hmm. is the story there like how is that possible wow amazing amazing yeah. in a bad way but just of still course. i am amazed it's a um, shocking shocking story wow i'm glad you covered that one i i didn't know the ins and outs to it and i never thought it was the kid or 
I, I wouldn't have growing up and hearing that story. I never, I never thought that. Wow. And, yeah, it's and it's Joan is shocking. still alive. Uh, as far as I know, Joan is still alive. Okay. Wow. Good story. Juicy story. Interesting story, Christine. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, what? here, look. I just googled her. As of this year, uh, she defends her son uh, still right. to this day. So. And maybe she's right. Maybe she's right, you know? I mean, listen, as a, as, as a famous podcaster once said, I'm no axe murderer. What yeah, do I know? Exactly. And <laughs> that person sounds probably like the smartest person you've ever met. So I listen Honestly, to Honestly, I was going to say the same, but I'm yeah. glad you agree. Well, thank you, everybody, for tuning in this week. And um, that's why we drink, where we tell you a true crime paranormal story. Look at you! <laughs> you remembered. <laughs> thank you for joining in on this hump day. And okay, that's enough. Uh, I guess you know. We'll, this is after the fact, but we'll see you in Vegas if you're oh. coming. And other than that, you can see Christine in Zandy at Beach Two Sandy, where uh, they have their own eight shows coming up. So go look Yay! at their website. Maybe M will be at one. Is that going to convince y'all to come? Maybe M will be there. <laughs> I just won't say which one. Yeah, and then... exactly. <laughs> um, and other than that, yeah, I hope everyone has. Uh, a good week and I hope everyone has learned something from our paranormal and true crime stories and maybe um, stay extra aware and be safe and we'll see you next week and if you're part of uh, Patreon you can go hang out with us for our after chat yeah we'll see you there and that's why we drink addiction plays hardball he would hit me with these verbal attacks I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost.